Jewish audio on Chabad.org. With the help of Hashem, we are learning Babakama Daft Tzadik Tes. We left off on Daft Tzadik Ches Amid Beis, the last line from the bottom of the Amid. The Mishnah told us Adin, that if a person gives to a craftsman something to fix and they ruin it, the craftsman is chayv to pay to the owner. Came along Rav Asi and he said that our Mishnah is only speaking about a case where the craftsman was hired to fix something. But if the craftsman actually fashioned something from your raw material, Rav Asi taught us the din that uman koina bishvach keli, which means that he becomes the owner in the added value. And therefore, if you were to ruin it, he's not chayv to pay you anything. He ruined his own stuff. Says the Gemara, let's find now a Mishnah. We're going to find a Tana that will be a backup, that will be, will be a base for the din of Rav Asi. And we're quoting a Mishnah. Hanoisen, Samarlat Sabah, a person gives wool to a dyer. Daft, Tzadik, Tes. And Vihigdicha, Yoyra, and the dad burnt it. And the Havamin of the Gemara is, is that the dyer put it in a vat with dye. And first, let's say you want the dye red. It got red. So right now it's worth more. But then he left it in there too long and it went from being red to be completely ruined. Says the Mishnah, that the dyer, the craftsman, has to compensate. But for what? Only for the money of the wool. Think about it by heart. If you're going to say that the craftsman is not a partner in the added value. Before it burned, it got red. Red dyed wool is worth more than raw wool. So Luchura, the craftsman, shouldn't only have to pay him for the wool. He should have to pay him for the dyed wool. For that not. So says the Gemara, Is the Haraya. And Lav and Ari not talking about Like we spoke out. First it got better. Then it got burnt. The Ika Means when it got burnt, it wasn't only that he burnt raw wool. He burnt dyed wool, which is more valuable. And why doesn't he have to pay for that? Because the, the, the added value belongs to the craftsman. Now again, the owner of the wool doesn't have to pay him for that. But on the other hand, the craftsman did not damage something that belonged to the owner of the wool. But says the Gemara Amar Shmuel, we're not arguing with Ravasi, but we are saying is that you don't have a proof from this Mishnah. The case of the Mishnah might be that when you put the raw wool into the vat, it got ruined, it got burnt before it got dyed. So there was no value. It wasn't dyed wool. It was just raw wool. Maybe that's why he only has to pay for the tamer. Atazai says the Gemara Avol. Are you telling me that if is is that what Shmuel is saying? In other words, is Shmuel arguing with Ravasi? So Shmuel clarifies. Amalach Shmuel Hachu Mayaskinon Kigain Detzemer V'Samanim LeBalabayis. Say even more. I can limit the Mishnah the way I limited it. It's only when it got burnt before it got died. And I can still agree, I can, and I can still argue with Ravasi. Whether I hold with Ravasi or not won't be relevant. Why? Because the Mishnah is also speaking about a case where the owner of the wool gave the dyer the samanim. He gave him whatever was needed to dye the, the wool. And 
the only thing he was paying the dyer, <coughs> excuse me, Vitzaba Agari Deu the Shakil. Until now, when we're speaking about Uman Kaina Bishwach Keli, we're speaking about I gave the Uman the raw material, but the craftsman is the one that's giving it all of its added value. If you hold Uman Kaina Bishwach Keli, then that belongs to the craftsman. All of the added value belongs to the craftsman. What's going to happen in a case where you're giving, in our case, you're dying something? So you're giving the craftsman the raw material and you're giving him the dyes. Here, even if you hold Uman Kainim Shvach Keli, you can't say that over here the craftsman owns the added value because everything that was added in it isn't the professional artistic work you know, of the painter. He simply put what is yours to what's on yours. And here, the only thing you owe to the woman is Agad uh, Yadei, his time. He's for sure a seicher. Here it's wages. One second. Shmuel is telling that, one second, if that will be the case of the Mishnah, then if he ruined the wool, he also should be chayv to pay him for the money of the dyes. And the Mishnah didn't say that. So the, so the Gemara clarifies again, Shmuel is not arguing with Ravasi. All Shmuel is saying is, is that you cannot prove from this Mishnah that Omen Koinim Shvach Keli, because the Mishnah might be speaking about a scenario where there isn't a Shvach Keli. Where isn't there a Shvach Keli? It got burnt before it got died. Before he attempted to say, where there isn't a Omen Koinim Shvach Keli, because there are times that the Omen is not being paid as a craftsman. He's only being paid as a worker because if the raw materials would have belonged all to the Balabayas, then we Taka wouldn't say, even Avasi wouldn't say, Uman Kainim So there's no refutation, but there's no proof to Ravasi. Tashima, here recording a Bryce. Hanoisim Talisailo Uman, if a person gives his talis, his cloak, to a craftsman. Now, we're not saying what exactly was the craftsman to do. Gemarai, here the Braisa is referring to the positive and negative commandment that a person is not allowed to delay the wages of a worker. And we have this mitzvah in the Torah, both in Parshas Kedoshim, and we have it in Kedoshim, it says that which means do not retain the wages of your worker and don't steal. And the Torah goes on to say that don't allow the wages to go into the morning. And as we're going to learn, this refers to a person who worked during the day. And the minig was to pay a day laborer when he finished his work. So if he finished at the end of the day, you have the whole night to pay him. And if the night went through and you didn't pay him, you were over the law of Now there's another Pasik in, not in Kedoshim, but somewhere in the bottom, I think in Parshas Kiseitse, where there it says, And there, as the Gemara speaks out, pay him at the day. We're speaking about a night laborer. So they finished working early in the morning. So you have the next period to pay them. And the Gemara also adds that what happens if a person was paid to work a day, but only half a day. So you have to pay them that day. But you don't get a full 12 hours. You have to pay them in the period where they ended. If they worked that day, that means that they finished working at night, you have the whole night. If they worked that night and they finished working in the morning, you have that whole day. If they finished in the middle of the day, you got to pay them during the day. So now the question of the Braise is, okay, that's when it comes to paying a laborer. What happens in my case? You give a person a talus. 
and he's supposed to finish it. And he finished it. And he let the owner know it's done. But it wasn't delivered yet. From when does the clock start ticking? So says the Braisa that since the owner did not get his cloak back, 10 days can go on, and he's not violating withholding wages. He doesn't have to pay for the wages before the article was returned. But when if it was returned, what happens if he got his cloak back in the middle of the day? So the din is, Mamish like a day laborer. So now says the Gemara, hold on. Mela, if he's getting paid wages, if we look at a craftsman like a day laborer, so then he's included in the positive commandment, pay him that day, in the negative, don't allow that period to go without paying him. But if you, Rav Asi, say, Umen keli, so when I ask the Umen to better an article, even though I made up a price, the way Halacha looks at it is that the craftsman becomes a partner in that added benefit. And then when he returns it to me, which he has to, he's a partner that has to end the partnership. I pay him, we look at that not as a wage, I'm paying him for a sale. I'm buying the added benefit. When it comes to a sale, if you sell me an article, there is no how can we equate that? That's refutation. We must limit the law of the Braisa. But there's no other option. Which is, we're speaking about a person who had a cloak and the, he gave it to a craftsman, what's called to teasel it, to make it into some sort of velvet. There are certain combs that, enter, that brush it, brushes, that it lifts up the fibers so it becomes more comfortable, but it actually ruins the longevity of the garment. So he did not add benefit to it. So in the moment a craftsman doesn't add benefit, like in the case of Ravasi in the Mishnah, I gave you my carriage, just fix it. You know, it's falling apart. You're not fashioning it. There he's not a partner. There he's getting paid a wage. The moment he's getting paid a wage, then he's, you know, it's included in the law of Leisolen. So, so the Gemara doesn't like the example. Because you can argue that when you make something into velvet, when you, make, when you teasel a garment, there is no benefit. But why would you agree to pay him? Why are you paying someone to do something that has no added benefit? For you it has added benefit. Right. If, even if it's only because he's making it more soft. So it's going to last less, but it's going to be more a geschmack to wear it. That's considered added value. You can't say there's no added value. So if Saif Lamayahavanahali, why did he give it to him? To make it softer. And given the rakeche, and since that guy did a good job, so Hainu Shifcha, there is an added value, and we should not look, according to Ravasi, as your payment, as a wage, it's a sale. He's selling that which he benefited, that which he added value. Says again, we're going to limit the Braisa, the Agde, he gave him, he agreed to pay him, to stamp on the cloth. What happens is like this, when you have a garment, I know the Shmata business, today you have machines, but in the good old days, when you did it by your hand, when you wove a garment, many times the holes in the garment were not equal all over. Some holes were bigger, some holes were smaller. So what you need to do is you need to trample on it. It makes everything, it tightens everything up. That in itself doesn't add any benefit. That just allows you later, when you're going to dye it, the dye will spread more evenly. But whenever a craftsman is doing something that doesn't add any 
benefit. It's not fashioning. That's not something in which you say, there is no shvach keli. And there, even avasi is maida, that whatever the wage, you agree to pay him, it's called a wage. The moment it's a wage, he told him, for every trampling, I'm going to give you a ma. That's important. You see, if I didn't say for every trample, I'm going to pay you a coin, the purpose of trampling is to close the holes. If the holes are closed, you added value. They're also uman kaina b'shvach keli. But if I'm telling you, I don't care about the outcome. That's my responsibility, the owner. You trample it. And for every time you trample it, I'm going to pay you a nickel. When you trampled it, it could very be that you made the holes more open. Doesn't matter. You're doing the job, no matter whether it adds benefit or not. That's where it's wages. Very good. Now the Gemara points out, According to the Havamina, to the one who asked the question, that this Braisa, the Loi Agde Labiche. But, but, it was a normal case, you know, you're teaseling it or you're fashioning it. Is Lechoura, says the Gemara, Messiah, according to the initial understanding of the Braisa, this Braisa will be used to substantiate Rapsheshes. The boy, the name of Rapsheshes, the asset Rapsheshes, Kablonus. Right? You have Schidus. And you have kablonos. Schidus is when you pay a person for the day, for the week, for the month. Kablonos is what we call a contractor. When you hire a contractor, build me a house, remodel my house. You're not paying him for the day, you're paying him for the job. So the question they asked from Rapshesh is, do you have the love of Loisolin on a contractor? When he delivers what he said he's going to deliver. Do we say, Oivet Olav Mishram Balsolin, Oyen Oivet? And on that, Rapshesh's answers, Oivet. L'chora, this b'raisa, l'may de salka daitin, will be a gavaldike proof. Lema de rapsheshes, pligi de ravasi. So hold on. This b'raisa, according to the initial understanding, if it's a proof to rapsheshes, this b'raisa, according to the initial understanding, was a refutation to ravasi. Are we saying that the fact that rapsheshes says that a kablon is included in the balsolin, l'chora, what is rapsheshes saying? Think about it. I have a house. I have property, I want you to build a house. Property now is worth $100,000. You're going to build a house, I agree to pay you another $100,000. And you built it for me. Rapshesh is saying, the moment you deliver it, I have to pay you, or whatever, the, listen, just parenthetically, if it was explicitly spoken out before we did the job, and that also goes to a salary person, I'm going to pay you twice a month or once a month, come in like, no, you're not even on anything. It's that if the understanding was you're chayv to pay on the fifth, then he, the, the night goes on, then you're over. Rapshesha says that a kablon is included in the love of balsolin. If you're going to hold uman kainav shvach keli, so then there's no balsolin because you're not paying him a wage until you pay him. He's a partner in the added benefit. He's making a sale by selling an article. There's no balsolin. So says the Gemara Omar Shmuel Bar Shmuel will hold like Ravasi. If we're speaking about a craftsman, that taka adds benefit in whatever I gave him, he would hold that you're not chayif to pay, there's no love of Balsolin, because everyone holds uman koina b'shvach keli. Where did Rabshesh say that by a kablin, you're even on Balsolin, where he didn't add any value? For example, the shulcha, the igrata, that you gave a person mail, and you told him deliver the mail. You didn't give him a time. When it's delivered, I'll pay you. That kablon is not adding any value to what you gave him. And everyone will agree that if I work for you, 
whether it's for the day, whether it's a contract, but I don't add value, so then what you're paying me is zikr, considered a salary or a wage. The moment it's called a wage, everyone holds that there is the love of Balsolin. Because there, I can give you a letter by telling you, I'm only going to pay you if you deliver it today. If I'm emphasizing the time, I need this to be delivered like the U.S. mail. No, they guarantee a certain time. Kablonus means I'm paying you less. I, no rush. I'm pay, I want it to get delivered. That's called a contractor. A contractor is someone who's getting paid for, to get the job done without any time pressure. A normal schirus is when I tell a person I'm paying you for the day. No matter how much you worked, I'm paying you for the day. That's the big difference. Right. So says the Gemara, this concept, whether umen koine b'shvach keli or not, is a machlekes tanoim. And now we're quoting a b'raiso. And now we have an opportunity to go back to Masechtas Kedushin. Guys, whoever learned Kedushin, it's so good. We're, you should know like this. That learning without reviewing, what did we learn in the Gemara? Is like a person who plants and they don't harvest. Like you did all the hard work, you planted and you didn't harvest. Elama, we're lazy. We don't do chazara. So Ravina and Avashi and the great kindness, they made sure that we chazar. The great, we just finished Kedushin. We're going to learn now many dafim in Kedushin and chazar. So like this, if a woman tells a man, Aseli Shadim, she gives a man, a craftsman, a goldsmith, a block of gold, and she tells him, I want you to make for me, face anklets, nizamim, nose rings, tabayis rings, make for me jewelry. Now normally she would have to, normally she would have to pay him money. And she's telling this craftsman, the Ekadeh and I will become Mikodeshes to you for, the, for this work. Now we learned this in Kedushin. First of all, when a man gives a woman Kedushin, he has to tell her verbally, Hariyat Mikodeshesli. So there's no doubt that not only did he agree to do it, but when he gave it to her, or when he finished fashioning it, we'll get to that in a moment, it, it can only work if he tells her, for the work that I did. So we have this here. The question is, okay, is she Mikodeshus or not? So says Rabbi Meir, the moment he did it, what does that mean? He did it and he didn't give it to her, which will refute, he did it and he gave it to her, and he said the statement. Now, did he give her money? No. What did he give her? He gave her his added value into her block of gold. Now, how do we view that? Let's think about it for a second. If we're going to hold Uman Koinim B'Shvach Keli, which means that when she gave him the gold and he made it into anklets, now it's more valuable. If he's considered a partner and he owns it, then when he gives it to her, he's giving her something. It should work. Rav Meir says, Mikodeshes. David Rav Meir. Ha'chalim say, nah, ain't Mikodeshes. He can give it back. She's not Mikodesh's. Only if he gives her money. Something else. Again, we have to clarify what that means. So first of all, the Gemara says, My mamain, what does the Chachamim mean? Do they say, mamain? See, the, the, the one way would be to understand that Rav Meir says she's Mikodesh's even before he gives her back the jewelry. And on that, the Chachamim say, No, he has to give her money. Is that the meaning? Is, does Chachamim mean she's only Mikodesh's if he gives her back this gold? Which would imply that Rav Meir holds that even that money he doesn't have to give back to her? Simply doing the work without giving it to her, she's already Mikodesh's. Doesn't make sense, says the Gemara. El Mekacha, he's giving her nothing. El Pshita, that even Rav Meir, she, she can only be Mikodesh's when he gives her back the jewelry. 
which would then mean that when the Chachamim argue with Rav Meir and they say that he has to give her money, he means that this service is not enough. He has to give her other money. My mamin mamin acher. And now we luchuura umen koyne b'shvach keli will be the machloikas, but you can only jump there. The Gemara is going to right away saying by making certain assumptions. And obviously these assumptions don't have to be made. Assumption number one, Vesavrua, the one who wanted to suggest that the din of Rav Asi, Umen Koyne B'Shvach Keli Machlekes Tanoim, held that the Kula Alma Yeshna L'Schidois Mitchil Vatsoiv. Oh, when it comes to paying someone wages, when it comes to paying someone a salary, this we had many times, there's Machlekes, whether Yeshna L'Schidois Mitchil Vatsoiv, or whether Ein L'Schidois Mitchil Vatsoiv. Which means like this, I told you, do something for me. One option would be the moment you did something that has the value of a pruta, I owe you a pruta. I don't have to pay it. I only have to pay it when you finish doing the work. But when you finish doing the work and you give me back whatever you're giving back to me, it's not that now I owe you one lump sum that I'm paying you. No, no, no. I already have a debt with you. I'm paying back my debt. means that I owe you the wages from the beginning until the end. Which means it's really, it's an accumulated debt. Now, if it's an accumulated debt, Kedushan Davav Beis, and many other times, we have that statement beginning with Kedushan Davav Amit Beis, that I'm a Kaddish B'milva in a Mekodeshes. I'm a Kaddish B'milva means that if a woman owes money to a man, he lent her money, and then he tells the woman that I'm being Mekodesh with this loan, not Mekodeshes. Why? Because by Kedushan, a man has to give now, by the Shas Kedushan, something tangible to her. Now, as we learned over there in Kedushin, even if she still has the money of the loan, let's say a man lent a woman a $100 bill, and she didn't use it, she still has it. Since when it comes to a loan, milva, lohitsa, nitna, in other words, the moment I lend someone money, that money is no longer mine. They owe me that value. And even if they have it, it's not mine. So the money he didn't give her now, the money he gave her before, what is he doing now? He's telling you, you don't have to pay me back. That's not called giving her something. Now, by the way, we did learn in Kedushin that HaMekadosh Behano'as Milva, we have to know how to word that, Yemekodeshes. Like, like Rashi in the beginning explained, if a man tells a woman, you, if, I'm, I'm giving you Kedushin with the fact that you don't have to pay me back. Now she, even to delay paying back, would pay a pruta. So by him allowing her, so to say, not to pay back, that has a value. So the question is more on the semantics, which is important. But if a man tells a woman, I'm being Mekadashu with the loan, Eidemekodashes. Now let's read it inside. So number one, everyone holds that He is being hired to fashion her gold into jewelry. And she, and therefore there is a debt. She owes him money. Not when he gives her back to her. The moment he added one proof of value, she owes him one pruta, another pruta, another pruta. And the Kola Alma Mekadashes. Based on these two premises, the only way to interpret the Machlaikas is, my love, woman, kind of a keli, come fligi. Rav Meir holds woman, kind of a keli, as we explained, which is why she's Mekodeshes, mamish like Ravasi. However, the Rabban and Savri ain't woman, kind of a keli. And therefore, giving her back the jewelry is not good. Oi bazoi, what Ravasi is saying is only according to one Tano. Says the Gemara like, you can't say that from this din of Kedushin. And the Gemara is going to give many different ways of understanding the underlying argument between Abed and the Chachamim. Maybe the Kola Almei, ain't no man kind of Keli. 
By the way, that will be a refutation on Abasi. But it could be that no one holds Uman Kainu. If I hire you to do something for me and you fashion something, you don't own anything. When you give it back to me, I owe you wages. However, number one, you can say that And if that's the case, when does she owe him money when he gives her back the jewelry? At that moment. And he's giving her back the jewelry. That's because he gave her the money in the past. But here he's giving her it right now. You don't have to pay me. Keep it for Kedushin. That's why Mikudashis. That Abanan hold Yeshna Leschila Metchilavat Soif. So it's a Makadash Bemilva. Or another option says the Gemara of Iba, Yisemed Kola Amla Yeshna Leschila Metchilavat Soif. And maybe there's a Machlaikis whether you can be Makadash Bemilva. Absolutely. For Hachab Makadash Bemilva coming for the Gid that I've made holds maybe a Makadash Bemilva Mikudashis. And the Chachamim hold a Makadash Bemilva Mikudashis. Turning to the Tzadik Tesomet base, comes along Rav and he gives another alternative explanation. This is Gavaldik. The Kula Alma Yeshna Leschidas Mutilavat Saif. Everyone holds that when you hire a laborer and they do something for you, the moment they did a Prutas worth, you owe them the money. So all wages is really a repayment of an old debt. And everyone holds that you cannot be Makadash woman with a debt. Hamakadash Mutilavat Mikodeshis. And everyone holds ein uman kainu b'shvach keli. So Rabbi how can Rav Meir say she's mikodeshes? So Rav is a genius. Elah ha'mayiskinon says Rav, there's a whole different issue here. That this man, knowing being a learned person, he knew that even though she told him, you know, do this for me and I'll become mikodeshes to you, he knew that giving her back the form jewelry is not enough. He wants to marry her, so he added the piece of jewelry into the gold. That's his. So now the question is, if he's giving her something in the jewelry, why would the Chachamim say not? Says the Gemara, He added the piece, he added the gem. So Rav Meir holds, what's happening over here? When this man is giving her the fashion jewelry with a gem, she's getting from him two things. She's getting, so to say, a forgiveness of a debt. Normally she would have to pay for the artist to make it, now she doesn't have to pay, but that wouldn't work. She's also getting a new piece of jewelry. What is her mind on when the man is telling her that with this you're Mikodeshes? So Rav Meir holds Milva Upruta. If a man forgives a debt and he adds Nacha Pruta, here it's a nice, you know, chunky Pruta. He's giving her a whole gemstone. Her mind, she knows that with the loan she doesn't get engaged. So she, her Kavana was only on the Pruta. The Rabbanon Savri, the Rabbanon hold Milva Pruta, Data also on the Milva. And since she had in mind, oh, yeah, because I'm getting the service, which is really a forgiveness of a debt, and I'm getting a gemstone, I'm giving myself over to Kedushin. If she also relied on the milva, even though she's also getting a pruta, she's not Mikodesh's. And this, this is already another Machlekes Tanoi, the Tanya. Mamish, the same case. If a man tells a woman, I want you to become Mikodesh's to me, for the work that I have already done, that ain't a mikodeshes. But if a man tells a woman, I'm going to do work for you. And I want you to become mikodeshes to me with that which you will owe me. So this is not, like we said before, Hamakadash and an old milva, ain't a because he already gave her money in the past. Here he's telling a woman, I'm going to be doing service for you. 
And I want you to become Mikodeshus with the work that I will do. So as he's doing the work, then he's giving her that value and service. So the Tanakhama says Mikodeshus. Comes along Ram Nassan and he says that even when he tells her, And what's going to be the Machlaikas Tanakhama and Ram Nassan? Whether Yeshna Lishidus Mitchilavatsoif, or Ain Lishidus Mitchilavatsoif. Because if you're going to hold Yeshna Lishidus Mitchilavatsoif, which is Ram Nassan, even if he made the statement before he started to work, so what? When he started to work, it's not something that's collectible yet. The moment he finishes the service, it's considered an old debt. Hamakadosh b'milva. The chachamim will hold ein l'schirus elo l'basoif. So it's one chunk. He's giving. He, she owes him the money at that time. At that time, he can affect the kedushin. And v'kolchem b'schalish yisimach comes along Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, and he says be'emes amru. Not only like Rabbi Nason, but now in between the lines. Rab Nassan really would hold that if this person would add a gemstone, then she would become a Kodeshus. And on this, it says Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, But if he adds a gemstone, Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi says, then she is Mikodeshus. What does that imply? He's saying something that Rab Nassan disagrees with, which means Rab Nassan will hold that even if he adds a gemstone, she's not Mikodesh's. As the Gemara explains, that why does the Machlech is within the Tanakam and Rab Nassan, like we spoke out, Yeshna Lashiros, or Yen Lashiros. And what's the Machlech is between Rab Nassan and Rab Yehuda Hanasi? That Rab Yehuda Hanasi is the one that holds that Milva Upruta Data Apruta. Which is like Rab Meir. However, Rab Nassan, even though he didn't say it, but it's evident, he argues, that's why Rab Yehuda Hanasi has to give another opinion, holds that Milva Pruta, her mind is on both. And since she also had in mind for the Milva, HaMakadosh Milva and Mikudeshes. Let's go back now to our sugya of someone giving something over to a craftsman. Omar Shmuel says Shmuel, Tabach Uman, Shekilkel, if a person gives an animal to a professional Tabach. Tabach can mean a, a butcher. Here it means also he was the Shaykhet. The butcher was the Shaykhet. And the Shaykhet messed up on the Shaykhet. So the din is, the shaykhet is chayif to pay. And look at the words of Shmuel, maziku poisheyahu. He's a mazik and he's negligent. How? Because nasa ko'emir, it's as if someone tells the shaykhet, shchait li mikan, shechted, and he points to him the right place in the neck. And the shaykhet shechts it in the wrong place in the neck. So he mamish was negligent. It's considered an act of negligence. Says the Gemara, Why did he, he should have just said he's a, he's a mazik. Says the Gemara, Had Shmuel only said mazik, I would have thought, that when will he be chayif to pay the shaykhet only if he was being paid to shaykh. But whatever he was doing it for free, that he might not be chayiv to pay. Now this is very important. Let's speak it out by heart. Number one, if the tabach is not a tabach uman, then of course if he messes up the shechita, he's chayiv to pay. Because why did you undertake to do something that you're not, you're not qualified to do? Then you're right away a pesheya. If you are a professional and you're still tripped up, here are the issues here. First of all, we learned many times that Adam Hamazik, if the man is the one that did damage, you can't cry oinus. 
explained it as Shainim, here you could. Because when do we say that if I am mazik, something that belongs to you, even Bo'inus, I gotta pay, that is when I had no business touching what's yours. But over here, when you give something over to a Pabach and you ask him to work with it, not so simple anymore. You can't say that if he's an Oynes, he's going to be Pater. What do we say? Well, he was asked to work with it. Obviously, he was asked to do a good Shechita, not a bad Shechita. So here, we will view him like a Shomer. Now, what do we find by the Shomer? That in the Dinim of Shomerim, there is a difference between a Shomer Chinom and a Shomer Sachet. If you are a Shomer Chinom, since you're doing it for free, only when you are a Poisheya are you Chayef. If you're not a Poisheya, like by Gnev of Aveda, then you're going to be Pater. But if you are doing it Bishirus, then you're more responsible. So that's what he's saying over here. That's what Shmuel is implying. That even if he was, so to say, a Shemer Chinam, even though he wasn't getting paid to Shecht, a Shechet messing up in the Shechita is mamish viewed like a Poisheya. Even a Shemer Chinam is Chayvip Shia. So that's why he didn't just want to say the words mazik. He said that he's a mazik, he's a poisheya. Because he should have made sure he does a good shechita. Kol shechein that is chayiv. For sure, that's a very important role. If a person undertakes to do something, and they're not qualified to do it, and they mess up, they're always chayiv. Who asked you to take, to take upon yourself to do something that you're not qualified? Here the Vart is, you were qualified. You made a mistake. How do we view the mistake? So again, by Adam HaMazik, who cares? Mistake, mistake. You're Adam HaMazik. But here you were asked to help. Elamai, instead of helping, you made a mistake. Shmuel holds very strongly. Maziku, Poishayahu. Now, says the Gemara, Eisved, Avcham, Abar, Gurdil, Shmuel. We learn in Abraisa, Hanoisim, Behemel, Clearly, the same case. A man gives an animal to a shoichet. The nibla and the shoichet makes it into an avail. It means the shechita wasn't good. Says the Braiso, woman, if he's an expert, he's potted. However, if he wasn't head yet, if he wasn't a professional butcher, then he's chayv. He, shouldn't under, he, should, he should not have undertaken it. Now let's get into a, a, a very important detail. There are different ways that a shaykhet necks up. We're going to learn both the case of Shmuel and the case of the Braiso. The reason why the shaykhet messed up is a professional, because the animal jumped. So while the animal jumped, he was an oinus. However, the question is, should have the shaykhet foreseen that possibility and done something previously to prevent it from jumping? This is going to be compared, as we'll see in a moment, to something we learned earlier on in the Masechta, whether niskal poisheyahu, the person trips with a shosarab. Remember those dinim? A person trips. Because I tripped, my jug fell and it broke, and someone got hurt on it. But I didn't dig a hole with a shosarab and bemaze it. It began because I tripped. So that was the machlekes, Rabbeir and the Chachamim, whether niskal poisheyahu or not. Same concept. In other words, when I fell, I'm an oinus. I didn't fall on purpose, but had I been more careful, I would have prevented myself from slipping. I'm already giving you the end of the sugya. So that's the same concept over here. The animal jump is shashchita, that was an oinus. But you could, have, you could have tied the animal up better. Here the Braises says, you're taka pater. However, the Braise says, but if you gave him a salary, so he's like a shaymer sachar. A shaymer sachar isn't only chayiv by pshia, he's already chayiv by geneva aveda. So then, the kids said, this mamish goes against what Shmuel said. Now, what Shmuel did here 
was he reacted by saying very strong words. Amalei, so he told Rabchama Bar may your mind become muddled. It was really a blessing. He told me, you know, let you're not thinking. Mutaza answer, he was ashamed to ask him why. You know, we learned here, in the, we, we have our great Rosh Yeshiva, Haraf Shochat Shlita. It says, Minik, to use these types of verbiage. And sometimes you have to have courage to, to respond. He was quiet. So, also, Mid Rabbanon came another Chacham, and he wasn't intimidated. He told Shmuel, one second, that was a great question. There was a Braisa that Mama says, not like what you're saying. You saying, even by a Shemir Chinam. No, the Braisa says that if, that if he wasn't paid to Shecht and, he may, and the animal jumped, you're Potter. So Amalei, so, so Shmuel tells him, You're going to get what your friend got. But he explained it to him. I am telling you a din. It should have been obvious to you that I am passing like Rav Meir. Obviously. And you're asking me from the Rabbanon? Yes, there's a Braiso. I hold like Rav Meir. If you would have been the dyke in my words, Shmuel was expecting for his students to be even more learned. Shmuel used a very lengthy expression to say his din. If you would have been the dyke in my words, you would know In other words, Why did I have to add? Shmuel gave an example. It's as if a person tells a sheikhid, on one side and the on the others. Why did Shmuel have to give such a long thing to Shmuel, in between the lines, is saying that I am telling you something only based on Rav Meir. Now, Shmuel passes like Rav Meir. But now you can't refute him from another Braisa that can go according to the Chachamim. Man is high Svara. In other words, who holds this logic that even if while something happens, boynus, we say that you should have foreseen this possibility and prevented it from happening. Where do we find that? The Amar person should have paid more attention. Now, the greatness of Shmuel is he didn't even tell his students which Rav Meir. All he gave him over the head that I didn't just give up Sagdin, I gave Agan Sadrasha. Mazaku, Pashayahu, it's as if he said this and he did that. You should have understood that I'm onto something. And you should know it's Rav Meir. Now, the Gemara is going to right away bring up three different options, and the simon is Kolon. We're going to see Kshara, Yilitzbaya, Nishbara until we come to the third one, which we mentioned, which was the case of tripping. But the Gemara is going to ask, okay, which Rav Meir? It's good to have such a teacher. You understand? He doesn't give you everything on a silver platter, so you have to break your head. So, so the Gemara says, Hi, Rav Meir. One second, which, where is the Rav Meir and the Chachamim that argue whether a person needing to foresee a possibility and that lack of foresight is already called Paisheya. If it's Rav Meir, the Tnan, again, Kolon, the Kuf is for Kesharai. That, if you remember, we learned about a concept called Shmira Pachusa, Shmira Ma'ula. It means if a person guarded their ox, but it was only guarded from a Ruach Matsuya. So, Kesharai Ba'ala Bimoyseidi, you tied your ox with the rain. And under normal circumstances, the ox would not be able to break free. Or, the Null, the fun of, you locked them in a room, well, you know, a normal door, under normal circumstances, the door would not open up. But the Yatsa the Hizik, something unusual happened. You could have foreseen it, but you didn't. Bein tam, bein muot chayiv. Rav Meir is the one that holds. Shmira pachusa is chayiv. The chachamim hold. 
nisht. So it says the Gemara, that cannot be Daf Meir, because as we learned this in Daf Mem, hey, this has nothing to do with foreseeing a possible unusual circumstance. Hasam Bikroi Pligi. The Machloikas, whether you need by the, by the, by the damage of ox, Shmeir Bchusa, or Shmeir Mu'ula, has to do with Psukim. We learned, we just learned this mission a few times, that if a man gave, die, gave wool to a dyer, not to die, die, you know, die, D-I-E, but die with a Y, to, to die, to paint, and he painted it black, he made a mistake. Same concept. In other words, he did an accident, but he shouldn't have made that accident. He should have paid better attention. And on this says, Rav Meir, he got a pain for the wool, for the price of the wool. Says the Gemara, one second, over there, he, he made a mistake. He dyed it the wrong color. Of course he's high to pay. He burnt it with his hands. Over here, the example we're given is, is that the animal jumped. At that moment, there was an oinus. Can't blame the shaykhit. Now we're going to get to the right Rav Meir. It's not like we learned, or the Tanya, if a person is walking in the public domain, and the person tripped, and the jug that he was holding fell and broke, and he did not remove it, or if a person tripped, and then his camel tripped on him, then he didn't stand his camel up, and then a third party's animal got damaged on the broken shards, or tripped over the camel. Machlekes, Rav Meir and the Chachamim. Rav Meir says, Chayiv v'niskan, Bari v'rishu sarabim. The Chachamim say, Patam v'dini yodam. He didn't act, he didn't actively dig a pit. He's Chayiv v'dini shumayim. And as we learned before, and Dav Chavtes, that what is the Machlekes, Rav Meir and the Chachamim, b'niskal pashaya hupligi, is tripping considered negligence, or is tripping considered an accident? When you trip, no one wants to trip. This is the best example. Elama, if you would have been more precautious, you would have looked better. You wouldn't have been engrossed as a, whatever you're thinking of. And you wouldn't have tripped. So the same thing is over here. So why do we have Shmuel? Again, Shmuel holds, like Rav Meir, that if a person gives an animal to an expert shaykhet, even if he did not pay him to shaykhet, so he's like a shaymer chinam, even if the reason why the shechita did not come out good is because the animal jumped, Shaykhir is chayv to pay for the damage. Omar Abba Barbachano, Omar Abba Yechanan, we're going to learn a different opinion. Tabach umen shekil kol chayv. That if a professional tabach messed up the shechita, chayv v'afilu hu umen ketabach etzipoyrei, even if the shaykhit is as the extraordinary professional shaykhtim that live in Sipoidei in the north of Israel. So what is Shmuel saying? Rabbi Yechanan is saying, like Shmuel. There was a story that happened with Rabbi Yechanan. In the shul, in the synagogue, in the city called mine. And the same thing over there was that the shaykhet messed up. And the Omar lay, and Rabbi Yechanan tells the shaykhet, Zil, I sorayah the mamchis letarnagoylim. Go, bring me a proof that you are a professional to shech chickens. Prove to me that you're a professional. And if you will, if you talk, I can prove that you're the professional, then the afterach, you won't have to pay for the damage. Rabbi Yechanan says that if a shaykhet, 
messes up on the shechita, if they are a professional, they're not chayiv to pay. By Danny, like we spoke on Anashi. A non-professional is always chayiv. Why did you undertake to do something that you're not qualified to do? So Rabbi Yechanan is arguing. So the Gemara says, like Khan, we're going to see now, like we mentioned, Rabbi Yechanan argues with Shmuel. In that story, the Shaykhid was doing it for free. And therefore, if he's a professional, he won't have to pay. Not like Shmuel. And however, Khan, when we quoted Rabbi Yechanan, you know when Rabbi Yechanan says that even if he's a professional, he's chayv, that's if he gets paid. So he's like a shomer sachar, and there he's more chayev. It's not only by direct pshia, like it's like Geneva Aveda. Kan besachar. So Rabbi Yechanan argues with Shmuel. Ki hadam rabzeira haroitzah she is chayev tabach. Based on this din, if you are giving an animal to a shechet to shecht, and you want to make sure that if he messes up, he'll compensate you. You better pay him. Yagdim loy dinner, pay him a dinner. Ah, if my Zayde would get paid a dinner every time he shechted. He would have had an easier life. In Brazil, they paid him. I, my father found the contract. They paid my Zayda to Shech. Mamish, like a half a penny. Garnished. Couldn't live. But, uh, but bottom line, if you pay him, then you're more chayef. Good. Meisvei says the Gemara. It says in Abraisa, If a person brings over wheat to a miller, or v'loy l'sasan. Now, the way you grind wheat, being that Chazal tell us that bran is not superior, Superior is when you take out the whole klipa. We don't like klipa. So the way you do it is you have to first soak it in water. When you soak it in water, then the husks are better separated from the kernels. And then when you grind it, you get unbleached. Bleach is mamish chazer treif. But you get white flour, which is good. But this genius didn't soak it in water. So when, you, when, he, when he ground the, the, the wheat, it was a bran. It became either coarse bran, known as subin, or it became fine bran, known as mursan. So no, he was a mazik. Or kemach, you gave flour, lenachtoim, to a baker. You ever did that? And you put it in the oven, and you take it out, and the whole thing collapses. For also pasnipoilin, it became crumbly bread. Or if you give an animal to a shaychet, v'nibla, says the b'raisa chayiv. Because he's treated as a noiser sacher. Mamish like Shmuel. In other words, not that he, because he got paid. He's as if he got paid, implying that even if he wasn't played, paid, we always view him like a noiser sacher, like Rav Meir. Tripping is considered a pshia. Should have uh, foreseen. So the Gemara says you have to amend the b'raisa. You only chive when you got paid. Now move on to another case. Now before we learn the next case, the story in the Gemara, it's good to say the following. We're going to learn in Chulin that to be a shaykhet, you have to be a professional in practice, but you also have to have the hilchish chita on the tip of your tongue. Beginning with the five principal dinim that when a shaykhet shechts, if any one of the five happen, the shechita is not good. What are the five dinim? Shechita, that you cannot do shi'iyah, you cannot do drasa, you cannot do chalada, you cannot do, ha, you cannot do hagrama, and you cannot do ikur. So let's go one by one. The first one is shi'iyah. Shi'iyah means delay or pause. If in the middle of shechting, the shaykhid pauses, shechit is not good. Drasa means to press. That means that, of course, you're putting some pressure, but you can't shech by putting pressure downwards. You have to be going and coming with the knife back and forth, and it can, you can do it the whole day, but don't press it down. 
The third thing of chalada, chalada means digging, which means that there's a possibility that first you, so to say, bury the knife under the skin, and then you start shechting the two, the trachea and the esophagus, that's not good. No, you cannot dig or hide the knife in the fur of the animal. It has to be exposed. The fourth din is called hagrama, which is the din that we're going to learn now. Now there's a machlekes in how to understand pshat in hagrama. Halachically, hagrama means that within the neck of the animal, there is a height in which we say that if you shechted higher than that, you didn't shecht in the right place. Also in the, the lower part of the trachea and the esophagus, if you shechted lower than an area, the shechita is not good. And there is the correct place where to shecht. And hagrava means you shechted it in the wrong place. Our sugya is not learning that way. Our sugya is learning that hagrama means like this, that in, you know, there's the, there's the food pipe and the windpipe. In the windpipe, in the trachea, you have like little rings. You can almost feel it. And the shechita has to be in that same ring. Now, there's a din by shechita, that if a person shechted the majority of each one of these two pipes, the shechita is kosher. Rave of both. But what happened if you shechted the majority of the trachea in one ring, which is great, and then the knife slipped, and you shechted the remaining part of that side of the trachea in a different ring. That's a machlekes tanoi. What's one way would be to say, since you already shechted enough, had you stopped here, the shechita would have been kosher. The fact that you finished cutting more in another ring, who cares? But other, the other opinion is no. Had you stopped, you're good. But now that you change places, this is the psal of hagrama. And we're going to get to that right now. But just to finish off, ikur means tearing. You cannot tear the samanim. You have to cut it. Okay, these are the five psalm. So now says the Gemara the following story, that mar... Magrumta, there was a case of Hagrama, the Asoil Kame, the Rav, that came in front of Rav. And we're going to read the Rashi inside, Mamush, the case, that Shochat Mitoich Achaz Hataboois, that a Shochet was shechting inside one of the rings in the trachea, which was great. But then Vihigrim, here Vihigrim doesn't mean that he slipped below the right place. He went to, the, to one ring up or above, uh, above or below. And Chutz, Bain Tabas, La Tabas, and in the first ring, he shechted the minimum amount in the first one, which is the majority, half plus a hairbreadth. Rabbi Yossi, but Rabbi Yehuda says it's kosher. You get it? Because since you shechted enough in this ring, you're good. The Chachamim are the ones that hold that if you slip, you made Hagrama, even though you made Hagrama after you did Raiv in the ring, it's not good. So they asked Rava Shailah and Tarfei. He made a treif, by the way, it doesn't mean treif, just another rule. Treif means if the animal has one of the 18 blemishes, it means it became an avela. But like us today, we call everything treif. However, one second, what's the din of Shmuel? That if a shaykhet messes up, the shaykhet has to pay the owner. So Rav told the shaykhet, you don't have to pay. The animal is treif, but you don't have to pay. So Ravasi found that person. and they told him, Ovid Bach Rav Tarti. Rav did two things to you. Now what did they mean by that? Did they mean to say that Rav did two things negatively to you? Because it could be viewed that way, but it couldn't be that they meant that. 
my tarte, ilema tarte legere yusa, that he do two things that are detrimental, meaning, the iboye leilach shura k'rabi yisi b'rabi yehuda. Number one, he should have passed him like k'rabi yisi b'rabi yehuda. And if we would have passed him like him, since roiv of the trachea was slaughtered in the same ring, there was no hagram, the animal should have been kosher. And number one is, v'tarfei k'rabanan. That was one detrimental thing that he did. And v'in amakir abanan. And then, you know what? You want to be machmer? Hold on. Be machmer on both sides. At least the tabach should have to pay. The tabach doesn't have to pay because as far as the tabach is concerned, we're being lenient. We're paskening like Rabbi Yossi, the animal is kosher. If this is what they meant, it can be. Because you can't tell a person who walked out of a dentator that the judge wronged you. Can't do that. That the judge made a mistake. That when people, when judges leave, now this is really on the judge. Imagine there are judges that leave a dentator. There's always the party that loses. So one judge tells the losing party, just for you to know, I was on your side. I passed in for your favor. The other judges went against you and the majority wins. You're not allowed to do that. Don't tell the loser, I was really for you. My friends were the ones that went against you. And they win. And on this it says, that the one who reveals a secret, who gives away what was the back and forth amongst the judges, that's called the Rachel, that's called the tail bearer. And the Gemara is applying it, that if a rough paskins, you hear the Psaid Din, don't tell the losing party, the judge wronged you. That's not right. Ella, they meant the opposite. It's an amazing story how everything can be viewed positively and everything can be viewed negatively. View it that they told him, look how good Rav did. He did a double good for you. First of all, there is a question whether he paskin like the Chachamim, like Rav Yaisi. For you, he paskined. Don't eat it. Because if there's a doubt whether something is treif, treif is poison. There's a suffix poison. Be lenient. No, be machmer. The loy oichlach suffix isura. Umon ach mi suffix gazela. And on top of that, had he been consistent and say it's treif, so now the butcher has to pay you. If the butcher would give you money and really the animal was not treif, so the butcher's money is stolen money. So you're going to benefit from stolen money. So look how great Rav was. He made sure you don't eat treif. And he made sure you don't take Suffolk Zalem. Let's hop and I invite it. Itma, we learned, Hamad Adin Elishulchani, if a person had a coin and he wanted to know whether the coin is a forged coin or not. And he shows it to a banker. So it says, the, it, says it, it was stated, the Nimtzara, and the banker told the coin owner, the coin is not forged, the coin is good. So based on the banker's advice, you accepted it. Now you want to buy merchandise. And they're telling you, no, 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 the dollar is counterfeit. So again, what's the question? Whether the professional banker owes you the damage. In one price it says the banker is exempt. However, only if he's a head yet, only if he's a non-professional, and he gave you bad advice, then he's chayv. There's no debate about that. Because who asked you to give an opinion if you're not qualified? However, v'tanya idach, it will learn in another b'raisa that bain uman, bain hedyet, whether he's a professional or not, he's always chayiv, more like Shmuel, he's negligent. So how do you reconcile it? Amen papa, ki tanya uman patir. Do you know what type of professional is exempt? 
And this is going to be like Rabbi Yechanan. Kigoyin, Danku ve'isr. Danku and Isr were two people that at that time, they were the high standard of being a professional, knowing whether money is counterfeit or not. People that are mamish professionals, that they don't need to get a second opinion. They have the right to opine. And even if they made a mistake, they won't be held responsible. And let's just add, that's because you did not pay the banker for the service. The moment you pay the banker for the service, he's like a shamer sacher. Let's say that. Many achrenim say not. That's the question over here. Ella, one second, if he's a danko and a isur, how did he make a mistake? Ella by my toe. So the Gemara says, toe, besichsa chadato. There was a new coin. They just changed the U.S. dollar bill. They put another genius on the picture. Right? It's a new stamping. It just came out of the press. So there, even the greatest professionals, they can make a mistake. But the moment they are not on that level of expertise, that's the, we're going to conclude with this, that if someone should still add to his or her knowledge, and without getting a second opinion, they give a ruling, and they, wrong, they gave a wrong ruling, they're considered negligent, they're poishaya. You gave an opinion, goes to a doctor, who are you to give an opinion? Get another opinion. But here we're learning that once they reach the level that they are considered experts, if they made a, a mistaken they made a mistake, they gave a wrong opinion, since they are umanim, they will be not liable for the damage that they caused. Emirates Hashem to be continued.